Welcome to So You Can Heal. I'm Abby Parker, a licensed mental health counselor and therapist at Still Point Consultants. And I'm Josh. I'm a licensed social worker and a therapist at Still Point Consultants as well. So Josh, today we are talking about letting go of desired outcomes. Right. Yeah. And before we even get into, you know, what that means or how that happens or what that looks like, what is the difference between a desired outcome versus an outcome that is fear-based? I don't know. So one thing I want us to distinguish is the difference between an outcome that is based in desire versus an outcome that you hope for because you've experienced it in fear. Like for instance, if I don't want something to happen again, like I don't want to get in a car accident, some people might think that that is a desired outcome, but really that's based in fear because if I got into an accident and I don't want to get into one again, like that come from that that came from a literal situation of experiencing fear and then not wanting that to happen. So some could see it as an outcome, but it's more based in fear than a desire. See, sometimes I guess I see desires as like desires can be tied to fear. Sure. And I think the translation then of like, I don't want to get an accident again, could look like I want to travel safely and freely, which is different than the negative mindset, which is I don't want to be in an accident ever again. Our brain looks at those two things differently. So what I'm hearing you say is like, it's about stating it in the positive. Stating it in the possibility. What does that mean? Like for me to travel safely and freely could mean that could be possible for me to be completely relaxed and comfortable with flying on a plane. That could mean that I uh, find people that I like traveling with. That could mean that I hire a driver to drive me around the United States. Like there's endless possibility the stem of where some of those desires come from can come from a place of fear, even though we're stating it in the possible or the positive point of view. And maybe I'm like looking at this in a different angle than what you are. Sure. I think our desires can come from an experience that may have been fearful or that we're anticipating being fearful. So I guess what I heard you asking is what is, how do we know the difference between those when, even though it is maybe stated in the positive, like how do we know the difference between like a desired outcome that is fueled by a desire to not experience something again, whether that is stated, this is what I want to experience or something that's not fueled by this idea of lack or fear for lack of a better word, I guess. I'm asking the question to help us understand, like if we state things in the fear response or if like the language itself is not desiring language, 
then we already place a filter on what we desire. It's a limitation. So I guess that kind of makes me curious, like what is a desired outcome for you? Not like what is, what is one of your personal desired outcomes, but like how would you kind of explain what a desired outcome is? I would see a desired outcome as something I want to expand into. Like if I said, I want to grow my family, or I want to get another master's degree, or I want to perform on Broadway, I would see those as desired outcomes. I guess in my mind, like I'm instantly going to the motivation of like why I want certain things which I think we've kind of talked about a little bit in the past, which we don't need to go into again. But I guess for me, I would see a desired outcome in some way tied to an expectation, uh, whatever it is that we're doing or what we're trying to achieve or accomplish. Like it has to fit a certain mold in order for it to be considered valid or what I wanted. When an outcome is held higher than the process, we tend to lose out in the process because we're completely fixated on trying to make it look a certain way rather than just kind of being present to what is happening. I do like I do think those two things are really important. Like processing the expectations that are tied to the desire that might be dictating how you think it needs to happen. So for me, I think processing expectations is really important because I think once you move through some of those hurdles, you get to really look at that root of desire. And when you're looking at that root of desire, then there is like we have brains, we think thoughts, we have feelings about it. We might be imaginative, imaginative of what that could look like. And I think it's even significant that as you process those things or as you're present to them as they come, it's also significant to release those. I'm just trying to, you said releasing the thoughts as we process? Or did I not hear that right? Yes, I think releasing the thoughts as we process them helps us not get stuck in a past like thought. Mm. Like if I use my personal example, like wanting to grow my family, like there's lots of different ways that that could happen. And how we expand into that is significant to that coming to fruition. And so if my mind gets stuck like this month on it happening a certain way, then I might miss opportunity if I'm not present to what else is possible. So I'm curious, Abby, like what is the difference then like between an expectation and a desired outcome? So I would see like a desired outcome that I grow my family by having another child. That's my desired outcome. The expectation might be that I do that within this next year. Or the expectation might be that I do it a certain way or that I do it the way my other family members did. So what it sounds like to me is like a desire 
for you is the root of what someone wants. And the expectations are all the conditions we put on that want or that desire and how it has to come to fruition or how it comes to us. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of explaining it. Thank you. What do you think? I mean, I can totally see expectations being like conditional pieces to the things that we want. I think a desire is either a want that, like a deep want, that comes from generally one of two places and a combination of the two. So like it can be, it can stem from lack or it can stem from like this authentic place within ourself. I mean, and it can be a combination of those two kind of together. And I would agree that I think that there are the expectations or the conditional pieces that we place on how whatever it is that we're looking to see or have or experience has to go through in order to come about. And so with that desire, whether it came from lack or the authentic self, what do you think an outcome would look like for that? Not an expectation or the shoulds, but an outcome. For me, the process is for the authentic desire leads to contentment, happiness, joy, fulfillment, because I don't, I mean, because the desire from the lack part of us, it's conditional in the ask, because it's, I will be happier, even if it's not stated, like it's that first mind before it ever becomes like an actual thought. The first mind, the subconscious mind is like, this is what will make me happy. So, like, it's already tied to this notion that if this happens, that's where my happiness lies. And if and when that thing happens, and that happiness that we hoped for isn't tied to it, then it just continuously produces that lack. So what I would say it looks like for both is, like, if it's tied to the authentic self, then... It's an expanded form of who you are and being joyful in your life in the process. And if it's coming from the lack, it produces more lack and therefore drives us to find other things that we think will make us happy. And usually don't, because as the desire grows, so does the lack. Josh, I appreciate your insight and like the concept of outcomes for the place of desire to be much bigger than something specific. Because if we're looking at that part of our authentic selves, that joy, fulfillment, purpose, you know, whatever those pieces are for us or how we experience them, to be curious to those and expand into those, like we don't know how that's going to happen exactly. Yeah, like one of my general rules of thumb is if my happiness is tied to an outcome, then it's probably coming from a place of lack. So I'm trying to be more mindful of even my own desires in the, that I'm putting out in the world. You know, we're human. We have 
histories that cast long shadows over what we do and where we're at and it's a process i think even sometimes we can be limiting to some of those authentic self parts like the same way you're tying in um, how those pieces of lack tie to the desired outcome like if i think something is going to bring me joy and it doesn't it actually brings me like simplicity or contentment or fulfillment in a different way then i'm i could be setting myself up for disappointment the way that i'm seeing it is kind of walking down a hallway and all the doors on my side on the sides of me on this corridor are open but i'm looking for that the door at the end of the hall to be open and it keeps being shut and by the time i get there it's going to be open and i miss every opportunity that i walk past or even the windows just to kind of get a chance to look outside because I'm so fixated on the door at the end of the hall. And that right there, that's why I think it is so significant that we work on not just letting go of expectations, but also letting go of desired outcomes. Because in all honesty, who can hold that type of focus? Traumatized people. (laughs) Well, that's true. That's a true story. But you get worn down. You get tired. You do. You get bored. So something that, like, question popped in my mind that I think people are going to be wanting to know. Like, are we saying not to have any desires or any expectations? No. What does, how do we then desire or have expectations? In the same way you learn how to tango. By stepping on your partner's feet. (laughs) (laughs) You not only move your feet, but you also dance to the music. So what does that really mean in a practical sense? I think it means that you get to know what, like what desire is for you. I think it's a rediscovery of what could be possible. And so you're not just looking at closed doors, which is that place of lack. And then you get the opportunity to actually live it instead of thinking that there's only one path, one door, one way. It's a lot more freeing. Josh, what's it like if we take on someone else's desire or someone else's fear? I find that like individually, if we are say in a relationship, when we take on another's desire, as our own, we often find ourselves disappointed and can grow into resentment because the parts of us that want and need things or whatever that may be are not being fulfilled. A part of the five love languages by, I believe, Gary Chapman talks about like our love tanks being full. And I always see like carrying another's expectations or another's desires as our love tanks often go depleted and you're really only ever able to put into a relationship as full as your love tank is and yeah so i think that it's really hard to carry others expectations leads to a lot of stress i mean I think of kids who have parents who push them to be like overachievers, like the anxiety, the depression, and all of the components that kind of go into that experience. 
mean, it can be really hard and really challenging. I mean, there's a part of you that's being lost and needing to be built back up and reclaimed. And then there's the part for me that looks at a community, just being my own self. I can't speak to anyone else's experience but my own. And especially people who lie outside of my cultural or even ethnic background. Like, I can't speak to that. But some of the desired outcomes, like especially in the communities that are being ostracized and that are not safe. Yeah, I don't. I think that it's completely legitimate to ask for safety, to ask to be protected, to ask to have the same rights, and to be expecting those things from a system that, quite frankly, has been set up to never do that. Well, and I think taking on or putting on desires or expectations on someone else or on yourself is very different than having like a shared understanding of what that could I mean because we do that all the time with people with partners and community in like other ways where things are actually shared like there's an understanding between what is desired and you work together to get there and what like our question was about was what happens when someone or something else places that on you or you're placing it on them and I think it it can be derailing for people. It can be oppressive. Like it can be dwindling. Like all, like you talked about the love tank, like it, it takes away from your own experience of that authenticity or your purpose or your desire. Um, and it's much more difficult to have a shared understanding of it. I mean, we teach like couples through the Imago theory that, doing daily appreciations are those small wins right like that that sense of practicing gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation with your partner that strengthens that shared experience of that desire to be you know fill in the blank loving nurturing connecting or what i'm kind of how i'm kind of summarizing kind of where we've been and where we're kind of at is the idea of releasing like the expectations, the conditions that we place on these things that we want, our desires, is by being present to where you're at and where the journey takes you, opposed to the resistance and rigidity that can come from being so focused on the future that we lose sight of right now. And so that presence allows us to release those desired outcomes. That doesn't mean that we still don't want those things. Oh no. But we're just not tethering ourself and our sight so strongly on them that we miss out on what's happening now or the opportunities that present themselves that could take us even beyond what we're expecting. Abby, thank you so much for this conversation today. Yeah, Josh, thank you for being willing to be curious and explore with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey everyone, Abby and I wanted to take a moment and let everyone know about some updates that are coming to the So You Can Heal podcast. 
we will be taking a break and we'll resume publishing or putting out podcast in August. So episode 27 will be the last podcast through the summer. August, we will start back up with episode 28 and we're going to shift the way we kind of set it up a little bit. So that's going to be really exciting. And we're going to be looking more at series rather than just random topics. As always, if you have questions, please send them in. If you have topics you want covered, would love to hear your thoughts. And you can always email us at so you can heal at stillpointhealing.com. You can check out our social medias at Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at stillpointhealing. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And until next time, 